It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's our number three of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And we've got our national title game set. It is going to be Kansas, and it is also going to be North Carolina. It's going to be doing battle Monday night. I wound up going through my initial handicap of this game a little bit later on in the hour as we wound up seeing. An exciting finish of that game, and I'll refresh it towards the back half of the show as well. And we're also getting set for the Major League Baseball season as well. Coming up in 30 minutes, you've got the pre and post game most for the Milwaukee Brewers. That would be Matt Pauly. He is going to be joining me. We're going to be talking about the National League Central, what we're able to expect in general from them, as it's going to be very intriguing there. As I do think that the National League Central might be the worst division in baseball this year, especially if you wind up taking a look at what you're able to get from some of these offenses as well. So I do think that it's going to be a lot of fun to take a look at that. How the Brewers pitching is going to be setting up and if they can get any offense whatsoever out of Christian Yelich. So we're going to be chatting with him in about 30 or so minutes. And here in the first segment, speaking of hitting, how about if we take a look at some futures with regards to home runs leaders in major league baseball, as we all recall last season, you want to take it Salvador Perez. You're able to do a very solid job there and, I do think that a lot of this breakdown of how to be able to handicap this is a little bit based on the ballpark because right now your short shot in this one, Vlad Guerrero Jr. He's plus seven under. These are at Bat Rivers, by the way. Salvador Perez, Pete Alonso both find themselves eleven to one. You got Aaron Judge, Matt Olson at thirteen to one. Fernando Tatis Jr., Mike Trout are both at fifteen to one, and then from there, Joey Gallo's at sixteen to one. Jordan Alvarez plus 1750, 18 to one. Rafael Devers, Fremil Reyes, along Shoyo Otani, twenty to one. Bryce Harper, Ronald Acuna Jr., John Carlos San, and then at 25 to 1, you find yourself with Kyle Schwarber. And I do think that the ballpark itself that you're taking a look at, that is going to be very key in this one because the reason why I can't get behind Pete Alonso is that the home and road splits are very demonstrative. He's someone that has to pit that that has hit in City Field. And when it comes to City Field, that is just a very pitcher-friendly ballpark because you'll actually note that. With regards to most home runs in road games, Pete Alonso led all of the National League this last season. Problem is, when you wind up going to City Field, that does lead to a little bit more issues there. So I do think that that is something that needs to be factored in when it comes to this handicap. Also, what needs to be factored in with the handicap just held itself because Fernando Tatis Jr. had a golden opportunity to be able to get this done, and he actually was towards the top of the National League MVP voting, but he wound up missing a lot of games for one and two. 
you wind up seeing one of the biggest collapses that we've ever seen in our lives with the with the San Diego Padres. The fact that they wound up finishing the season below 500 after the season that they wound up having at the beginning part of it. That was just absolutely insane. But what I do think is very important to take a look at as well is just the actual power that some of these guys have because you'll notice that with regards to MLB.com when it comes to their stat cast, you'll notice that there are, and I air quotes here, no doubt home runs, which that's a ball in which it would be a home run anywhere. There are other ones that are like doubters, semi-doubters, things like that. It's Salvador Perez was towards the top of the list in which he wound up having the 48 home runs. Flagero Jr. also wound up having 48 last season. So these guys were certainly able to do a solid job. But for Flagero Jr., he did have the evangelized season of playing some of his games in Dunedin, Florida. Dunedin, Florida was a fan box, and that's why you wound up seeing Flagero Jr. last year hit 31 home runs in his home ballpark. Meanwhile, away from home, he wound up having just 17 of them. So I do think that that is something that needs to come to the forefront with that as well. And Kyle Schwarber, he wound up bouncing around from a few different teams last season. He wound up having 24 of his home runs come in his home ballpark as well. So I do think that that's something that needs to stand out a little bit. If I'm looking at a little bit more of a guy that's going to have a little bit of value, it's actually two. It's the guys over there for the New York Yankees. John Carlos saying long there and judge because you've got that short porch over there at Yankee Stadium for one. And you've got the power of Aaron Judge being able to travel. He wound up being tied for second with regards to away from home home runs last season. He had 24 that wanted being towards the top of the American League. The other guy that wound up having 24 home runs away from home in the American League. Aside from Marcus Simeon, who wound up moving around a little bit, that would be Rafael Devers. So I do think that you've got some relatively solid value there. And with John Carlos Stanton, if he could just stay healthy for a full year, which that is a big ask for John Carlos Stanton, but we have seen the power from him time and time again. It does seem like he's gotten a little bit more flexible in recent years as well, because you just take a look at him at the plate itself. It feels like he's been able to do a better job of being able to go get balls that are a little bit lower in the zone. He doesn't seem to be just keyed in on one specific pitch, and he's able to really be able to do a good job of being able to adjust a little bit. So I do think that that is going to be something that winds up having, helping about moving forward as well. So I do think that you've got a little bit more value when it comes to these guys with the New York Yankees. I do think that Anthony Rizzo providing a little bit of protection is going to be able to allow John Carlos Stanton to get a couple more pitches in as well. Joey Gallo is a guy that stands out as well, but I just, I can't get behind a guy that's going to strike out nearly 200 times during the season. You got to feel like he might be platooned for a little bit more as well. So I do think that that is something that does need to be standing out as well. When it comes to John Carlos Stanton, who I was mentioning a little bit earlier, by the way, last time he wound up playing a full season, he wound up having 38 home runs. That was in 158 games in the 2018 season, 2017. We all remember that season in which he wound up having 59. So I do think that if you're able to get a full season out of him, that is going to be a solid look with regards to this as well. And then with the National League, you do have the DH as well, which is going to help out because we saw with Salvador Perez, him being able to split with Flagger or Jr., a lot of that was because you were able to get Salvador Perez away from the plate. You were able to get him a couple of DH opportunities. So I do think that that is going to be something solid. And you just take a look at the way that some of these guys finished up the season. And some of these guys were able to do a solid job towards back half of the season, being able to really fire on all cylinders. You wound up seeing it with Marcus Simeon, who wound up having a massive charge. Now, the problem with Marcus Simeon is that he is now playing in Texas and if you take a look at the ballpark dimensions in Texas, that is not going to lend itself to him being necessarily solid. 
I cannot get behind Fernando Tatis Jr. either. He's someone that is dealing with injuries. He's going to be out for the first couple weeks of the season because of that. I think it was a motorcycle incident that he wound up having. And if you're looking at a guy that I'm actually a little bit more bullish on, this is someone that is not going to be showing up in a lot of these lists. And I think that he could provide a little bit of value. He doesn't necessarily play in the most hitter-friendly ballpark, but Mitch Hanniger. I mean, you take a look at some of the pitching that he is going to have in his division, and Mitch Hanniger is going to be going up against some guys that they don't necessarily throw it very well because you've got the LA Angels in that division, the Oakland A's, especially if they wind up training away Frankie Montas, and they wind up training away uh, Sean Manea as well. That is going to really lead to him being able to have some meatball pitchers. You've got an Angels bullpen that is absolutely terrible so in the back half of games Mitch Anniger is going to be able to get some balls hit and this is a guy that wanted missing all of the 2020 season due to a ruptured I will let you search for that injury on your own time because I mean it pains my eyes whenever I wind up seeing it but he had a rupture so we're going to just leave it at that but he wanted coming back this last season wind up having 39 home runs he is a good power hitter I think that you're able to rely upon him and now he's going to have some more protection with the Seattle Mariners as well, because with the Mariners, they were an absolutely brutal lineup last season. You take a look at it, and you were really expecting some of these guys to be able to take the next step forward. You wound up having a rookie of the year from 2020, and Kyle Lewis barely be able to play for the team. He wound up playing in like 36 games. Adam Frazier is an offseason acquisition that should be able to help just have a couple more base runners in general for the Seattle Mariners. They were one of the worst teams with regards to batting average in all baseball last season. Jesse Winker is out in the fold for that team as well. So I take a look at Mitch Hanniger, and I do think that if you're looking for a little bit more of a long shot, you're able to get a little bit of value there. And then when it comes to some of the other guys that might be a little bit lower on the totem pole as well, I do think that you've got a little bit more when it comes to some of these guys with the LA Dodgers as well, because the one thing that you're always offered with the LA Dodgers is that you can't wind up skipping anyone in the batting order because one through nine, this team is going to be incredibly fearsome this season. And then Matt Olson, I think, is going to be very intriguing as well. He wound up belting 39 bombs last season. I was with the Oakland A's. Now he goes to Atlanta, which it's an Atlanta ballpark that hasn't necessarily given up as many home runs as we expected, but he was playing in Oakland. And if you want a ballpark that's really hard to hit in, that would be Oakland when it's late at night because you wind up having the marine layer out there. When it comes to ballpark dimensions during nighttime games, Oakland ranks like number 30 out of 30 among hitter-friendly ballparks. So that really wanted hurting Matt Olson. Now I will say this. During the daytime, Oakland is one of the more hitter-friendly ballparks you're going to find as well. But a lot of the games that you wanted playing, they were late at night. And you've got to figure that Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be a little bit banged up towards the beginning part of the season. So Matt Olson probably going to be finding himself in positions in which he's going to need to step up a little bit earlier in the season. And I take a look at the way that he has been consistent over the last few years. And that has been very beneficial as well as he wound up belting out 39 bombs last season. He wound up the season before in 2019, he was able to go yard 36 times as well. He's really been able to come up big for the team. And I do think that the Atlanta Braves, the way that their lineup is set up, he's going to be able to get a lot of pitches hit. I think that pitchers are not going to be able to really go around them attention all wrestling aficionados wrestling with freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season this is freddie prince jr and i am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back and joining me once again is the one and only jeff die 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As much as... That's really the fear that you have with someone like a Juan Soto because with the Washington Nationals, he's going to be able to get on base for them a ton, but take a look at that Nationals team. Who's providing him any protection and it pitches it whatsoever in even a remotely dangerous spot. He's just going to get intentionally walked. So I do think that you want to be factoring that in a little bit as well. So I take a look at some of the long shots. Mitch Hanniger is one that I think has a little bit of value. Matt Olson as well. If you're looking at the favorite, Fly Guerrero Jr. should be the favorite, but I think that at 7-1, you just have a little bit of shortage of value. I'd rather look at some of the Yankees guys that are more around 20-1, to especially with that short porch. So when it comes to odds to be able to lead the league in home runs, a lot of different factors to be able to take into account. Never discount the guys that are able to just grind out 150-plus games during the season as well. So I think that that's going to be a very intriguing look. And what else is going to be a very intriguing look as well is a division that is going to be very weird out there in baseball. That would be the National League East. We wound up pitting upon the American League East a little bit earlier in the last hour. Now we're going to go to the National League side of things next. And that is happening right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Wendy's Breakfast is the official breakfast of March Madness. Every day, choose from Wendy's stacked starting lineup like the breakfast Baconator, croissant combos, and hot or cold coffee. And like any great teams, Wendy's is bringing the breakfast legends. You've got oven, oven baked sizzling bacon, fresh cracked eggs, perfectly seasoned breakfast potatoes, and it's simply OJ that is able to bring it all home. Make a fast break to your nearest Wendy's drive through and pick up your Wendy's breakfast, which is the official breakfast of March Madness. Choose wisely and choose Wendy's as it is a great Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network, and I guess we need to call it April Madness as well because it's right now the month, and well, we do have a lot of madness when it comes to college basketball. In the final segment, I'll refresh what I... What I wanted giving out to you guys in the last hour, that would be what I've got for this national title game between Kansas versus North Carolina. We're going to have a nice day off in between, so I have a lot to be able to speculate on. And right now we're seeing a lot of the player props, a lot of the ancillary bets 
they were able to make with regards to the college basketball title game. Those are just starting to come out. You got to figure that we're going to be seeing a little bit more of that when wind, when things wind up becoming a little bit more stable as well. You got to think that these are going to be posted up overnight. So we're going to be able to get a better look at that once the time winds are coming in about, I would say, the early a.m. out there east coast slash west coast. So right now it's really just the bear side in total. So I'll give you guys that. And it does look like DraftKings does have up the odds to be the most outstanding player of the national title game as well. So I'll be able to give you guys a little bit there. And something else that is always giving the folks behind the scenes. They are the reason why you've got the Greg Peterson experience right now. You've got my man Oliver who was the MVP yesterday. The Wi-Fi wound up going down. He wound up utilizing hotspots so that way. I wasn't completely stranded out there in the cold. He's the guy that posts up all the podcasts hour by hour. Anything that you wind up missing on VEASAN, he's the reason why you're able to get it. You've got Nick, who is our technical director. He does amazing work. You've got Mikhail, who always gets me set up on audio. And how can we forget our wonderful producer, Brian, who I, this is the segue, my friend. We are going to be taking a look at the National League East. He is a New York Mets fan. And I wound up saying it on the show yesterday. I mean, what I say, there is nothing that is a lock when it comes to sports. There's nothing that you could be like, oh, yep, that is for sure going to happen. Except for the fact that something bad is going to happen for the New York Mets. And it already has. So we've got that going on. Let's take a look at the National League East odds to be able to win the division. Right now, you've got the Braves and Mets relatively neck and neck. Now, this is a case of which we are seeing a little bit of movement on the Mets. Right now, you're finding them at plus 150. You're probably going to be finding them a little bit worse than that right now. You're probably finding more like a plus 160, plus 165 with all the news of Jacob DeGrom and company. The Braves are at the top. They're at plus 140. Plus 380 is the Philadelphia Phillies. 16 to 1 is the Miami Marlins. And then the Nationals, they're clocking in at 55 to 1. And if you're looking to make a donation to your local sports book, that would be on the Washington Nationals because it's going to be a long year for them. You take a look at... Just the guys that they're going to be throwing out there with their starting pitching. Boy, oh boy, that's going to be really bad. So that's not a team that I wanted to take a look at. And the Miami Marlins are not going to be able to win this division. Although I do like their win total over. They've got some solid pitching. Problem is they're not going to be able to get enough out of the bats. They did wind up signing Ore Soler. I think that that's going to be solid for them. So I actually do think that there's a little bit of upside when it comes to the Miami Marlins in terms of season wins. Once again, don't take them to be able to win the division. But with that said, they are a team that is on the up and up. But I take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies at nearly 4-1. to one, And th there's always one team every single year that the more that you look at them, the more that you like them. And maybe I'm just going down the rabbit hole. Perhaps I am the rat that's currently inside of the house. Someone wound up setting their like rat slash mousetrap with the cheese. And I'm grabbing the cheese. But... I am from Wisconsin, so I do like cheese, and I am very willing to take it here with the Philadelphia Phillies as you've got yourself a very solid team. They've made some good acquisitions here in the offseason. Bryce Harper has not been as big of a disaster with regards to the $300 million contract as a lot of these guys have gotten a $300 million contract. That's terrific, and you take a look at the starting three for this team. Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola, Ranger Suarez. This is a starting three that can hang with anyone. Now, for Zach Eflin, this is a big question. Is he going to be Zach Eflin good or Zach Eflin awful? That is really what you've got to be deciding right here. Because with Eflin, he's someone that when he's on, he's on. The command has always been very suspect with him. Last year, 4-7, four 4-17 ERA. He's 
been a guy that has actually come out of the bullpen a little bit as well because of some of his struggles. And the big thing with him is that he gives up nearly a home run and half for nine innings as well. That is not necessarily too terrific, but he's a kid that has some electrifying stuff. You want him seeing it a few years ago. He was able to be a solid starter. So that is something that you want to be taking a look at. And thank goodness gracious, finally, the Philadelphia Phillies address the bullpen. I mean, it had been the bane of this team for so many years. I mean, with Philadelphia Phillies, you never need to worry about the runs. With the starting pitchers, they'll typically give you quite a few solid innings, but then you wind up turning the ball over to Hector Neris. You wind up having Aniel De Los Santos. Guys like that, and you're like, what in the world are we doing here? In the offseason, they get Jersich Familia, which whenever he's in the closer's role, it's not good. I would always say that whenever he was trying to close out a game for Mets, they would insert Jersich Familia, and that was Spanish for blow and save, and that was really the case a lot of times when it came to Jersich Familia. But when he's in a more of a seventh, eighth inning role, he's actually halfway decent. You've got Brian Andu. He wound up having a rough year last year, but by and large in his career has been a guy that you're able to rely upon. And Corey Knable is a guy that's able to lock it down late in the game. He was actually one of the better relievers with the Milwaukee Brewers before suffering a bad injury, was able to rehabilitate his career for lack of a better term last season. So he's someone that you look at and you're able to feel relatively good there. Are you able to get anything out of Alec Bohm? I have no idea, but you're probably not going to need to because you just take a look at this lineup as a whole. Gene Segura does a solid job of being able to reach base for you. You wind up hitting right around 290. A guy that's able to draw a couple walks whenever he's out there. He's able to do a rock solid job for you. You've got Bryce Herper, I mentioned a little bit earlier. They add Kyle Schwarber and Nick Cassianos. Now, with Cassianos, his home and road splits were pretty demonstrative last season. So. You got to expect a little bit of a fall off with him going away from Cincinnati. But even while he was with the Detroit Tigers and the Chicago Cubs, he was always a consistent bat for you. So I think that you're able to feel very good there. JT Rio Muto behind the plate. He is one of the best catchers that you're going to find in all of baseball. And I take a look at Aaron Nolan. This is someone that wound up just getting terribly unlucky last season. His ERA was a 463, and his fielding independent was more around a 3-3. He had one of the biggest splits between qualifying pitchers in terms of his ERA and his fielding independent. I think that he's going to be able to come back. He's going to be relatively solid. The one thing that you roll the dice with with regards to Aaron Nola is that away from home, he's never been the same as he has been at home, but a guy that has been rock solid and has been successful just throughout his entire career, that'd be Zach Wheeler. He wound up leading the National League in terms of innings last year. He wound up having five wins in the month of September, was really pitching his best towards the back half of the season, 247 total punch outs. He's a guy that is able to be a workhorse for you. You know what you're going to be able to get there. And then you take a look at what you got out of Ranger Suarez towards the back half of the season. He was originally a long relief guy, a guy that would give you two to three innings coming out of the bullpen. They stretch him out. He wound up giving you starts of like four to five innings. And then towards the back half of the season, he was able to go six innings. As a matter of fact, in each out of his last five starts, six plus innings. And in those five starts, he allowed a combined five runs. This guy might be the second coming. For this Philadelphia Phillies team, a young guy who's 26 years old, comes over from Venezuela, has been able to do an absolutely amazing job of being able to stretch himself out, does a good job of not walking guys as well, which is something that is just so critical. A guy that his walks per nine rate is sub three, wanted giving up four home runs at 106 innings, did well at home, did well on the road. This guy really looks like he could be a strong guy for this Philadelphia Phillies team moving forward. And 
He could legitimately be an ace on some of these lesser teams out there in Major League Baseball. Having him as your number three, got to be feeling solid about that. Now, Kyle Gibson, you're running a little bit of a risk there. He did wind up having that 10-9 record last season, but away from Texas, you can tell that the numbers wound up dipping a little bit. He was a guy that wound up walking over three guys per nine innings, so you got to feel like if he winds up pitching the same way that he did last year to this year, he's probably not going to be as successful. But I do think that there's a little bit of value here. And then I mentioned it with the New York Mets, the fact that you just can't trust in this team. You've got Max Scherzer dealing with an injury right now. Jacob DeGrom is dealing with an injury. Chris Bassett, he's got joke line and sinker. He's able to be relatively solid for you. A guy that is going to go out there, probably give you right around 200 innings. But Taiwan Walker had a big dip in his production after he wound up being an all-star last season. Carlos Carrasco, I mean, it's a feel-good story that he's back in the MLB, but let's call it what it is. He just has not been the same ever since he wound up having his bout with, I believe it was cancer. So, I mean, you wish him absolutely nothing but the best as a person, but as a baseball pitcher, I mean, I don't know what to expect out of him at this point. I did like the fact that they picked up Starling Marte of the Marte Parte, a guy that's able to give you a lot of seals, a guy that's able to do a good job of being able to get on base, but you're also trusting in now Robinson Cano who didn't wind up playing at all last season. This Mets lineup, once again, it's got its issues. They're playing at a very pitcher-friendly ballpark as well. So if I'm looking anywhere out there in the National League East, I think that you've got some value, both in terms of season wins and perhaps the division of the Philadelphia Phillies. And we got to talk about the National League Central up next. Matt Pauley, he does pre- and post-game work with the Milwaukee Brewers, does some tremendous work over there with ESPN Milwaukee as well. He's going to be joining me next. We're going to be talking about the outlook of the Milwaukee Brewers. We're going to be talking about the outlook of the division in general up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. NFL Draft is right here in lovely Las Vegas, and we'll have extensive coverage, including mock drafts from Matt Humans and Michael Lombardi, a former NFL MGM. Decent host Mike Pritchard was a first-round pick in his own right, and Sean King, a man that wound up winning a Super Bowl championship, will give you insight on what you can bet on, and also the legend himself, Brent Musburger, the voice of the Las Vegas Raiders, is going to be given his draft best bets in our NFL Draft Betting Guide. Sign up today, and you'll be able to get full access to VSIN through the Masters, the start of the MLB season, and of course the NFL Draft for just $19. That is all at VEASAN.com slash spring as it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network, and great to be joined by our guest. Matt Pauly does some great work out there in the great state of Wisconsin, pre and post game most over there with the official flagship station of the Milwaukee Brewers. That would be WTMJ if you're looking for the call letters and also a man that he does a little bit of everything. You might be hearing him doing like just randomly the sports updates on a radio station near SU and to be able to follow him on Twitter as at Matt Pauly on air and Matt, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you. Hey Greg, thanks for having me on. Great to have you aboard and Matt, You've got to talk about the team that you cover the most here first. That would be the Milwaukee Brewers, a team that I grew up watching myself. And with the Milwaukee Brewers, they're the odds-on favorite to be able to win the National League Central. And I think rightfully so. But I think that the big question that we've got with the Milwaukee Brewers is what to expect out of this offense? Because it was rather pedestrian last season. We saw that in the series against the Atlanta Braves. Pitching, no doubt, it is there, and it is one of the best staffs that you're going to find in all of baseball. But what can we expect from the offense this season? 
Yeah, that's the that's the million dollar question. That's the question that the answer to that question is probably going to determine whether this team is a legitimate World Series contender or not. We know about the pitching. They've got some of the best pitching in all of baseball, as you alluded to, especially down the stretch of the season last year. Offensively, they just weren't able to do a whole lot. And when you look at what they've done this offseason, they've got a couple nice additions. You, you hope to see that uh, Andrew McCutcheon maybe takes uh, keeps the power. His power was there last year with the Phillies. Uh, his righty-lefty splits were not good at all. They've been a little bit better here in spring. What will he bring you? As he's probably going to be the guy who gets the most opportunities uh, as the designated hitter. I think he'll probably uh, spell Christian Yelich in left field on occasion as well. Uh, Keston Guerra is somebody that if he can get back on the track that they thought that he was going to be on two years ago, three years ago, as he was making his major league debut, that makes all the difference in the world. There may not be a single person in the organization that can have a bigger impact on this team because when his bat is doing what the organization thinks it can do, it is a difference-making impact kind of bat. But ever, everything I'm talking about, Greg, it's it's all it's it's are these guys going to take that step forward? Are these guys going to bounce back? There's nothing really firm. I guess the the closest thing you have to that is the addition of Hunter Renfro. He comes in essentially replacing Avisael Garcia. So it's not like it's an addition beyond what they had last year. You know, I think his numbers and Garcia's numbers from last year will be somewhat similar when all is said and done. And I think it's fair to say the National League Central is going to see more of the most, I guess you'd call it pitching slash defense oriented style of baseball of any division out there in baseball, because we mentioned it with the Milwaukee Brewers. This is a team that they were in the top five in terms of total ERA, did an absolutely amazing job there. St. Louis Cardinals, they really held their head on being able to play some lower scoring games themselves. Take a look at the offense of the Pittsburgh Pirates, and that's a mess. And the Chicago Cubs, boy, they wound up selling off everything at the trade deadline as well. And I'm sure that you're in agreement with me. Biggest competition to the Milwaukee Brewers is going to be the St. Louis Cardinals. And I just think that you can never take the St. Louis Cardinals lightly. I mean, every single time it looks like this team is dead in the water. And you wound up seeing it last year. It looked like they were going to be missing the postseason. Then they go on one of the biggest win streaks that we've seen in baseball this millennium. And I take a look at this Cardinals team being able to get back some of their guys that wound up being a little bit banged up last season, especially in the rotation like Dakota Hudson. I think that this is a team that they're going to be able to stay in a lot of games and be able to win north of 85 games with their pitching. Yeah, so the Cardinals are interesting, Greg, because like, so I don't know if I believe in their pitching as much as maybe other people do. Uh, you appreciate everything that Adam Wainwright has done, but he continues to get older and older. Jack Flaherty has had a really hard time staying healthy, and there's been some issues here uh, during spring. But from an offensive standpoint, I do believe in the Cardinals. I think anytime you can have a Goldschmidt and Arnado and just throw those guys right in the middle of the order, I could tell you, having watched a million Brewers Cardinals games over the last few years, when you've got those two guys, and they split them up in the lineup uh, late in the season last year. I always liked them back to back, but they went on their run with those guys split up. I think, I don't remember what it was, but one hit third, one hit fifth, if I remember correctly. Uh, but it just felt like those guys were always coming up, that almost the rest of the order, their only job was to just get on base often enough that you could get back to Goldschmidt and Arenado and have those guys do some damage. And then their outfielders as well. You know, you look at a, a Tyler O'Neill, a Harrison Bader, guys like that 
certainly can do some things with the bat as well. But for the Cardinals, the reason I believe in them and I believe that it's a it's a two-team race in the NL Central this year between the Brewers and the Cardinals, it really comes back to Arenado and Goldschmidt. Yep, I do think that Nolan Arenado is going to be in for a relatively solid season. And Paul Goldschmidt, after the month of July, hit something like 335 for the rest of the season. So he was absolutely on fire. And when it comes to these divisions out there in the National League, I think that we're able to make the distinction that it's really a two-team race at this point. When it comes to the Cubs, the Reds, and the Pirates, all three of these teams are in relatively rough shape. Can we have any expectations for any of these three? Because I feel like with the Reds, at the very least, you've got a little bit of starting pitching there. Obviously, they play in that bandbox ballpark. You've got Nick Cassianos, who has recently been dealt. So that's a little bit of an issue on the Cubs. They are just in complete rebuilding mode. But is there anything to be had with any of these three teams? Yeah, I don't know. I I think the Cubs are the third best team in the division. I think I think they're better than the Cincinnati Reds. And if the Cubs stick around, they've got the resources to make. Because don't forget, we've got the expanded playoff. It doesn't take that much to be in playoff contention coming up on the deadline. So if the Cubs do stick around, they certainly have the resources where they can make a move and maybe bring in an impact player. It's really hard to believe in the Cincinnati Reds when they have mostly been selling off. And everything you said, I mean, they've still got some some nice pieces. You look at the starting pitching led by a Luis Castillo and even a Tyler Malley. But I mean, Castillo, when he's on, and I know his numbers weren't great last year, but he, he finally kind of put it together. When Castillo is at his best, he's a really, really good pitcher. You still have Joey Votto. You've got a guy who really came on strong in, in Jonathan India. He, Mike, Mike Moustakis is still around, right? Like, so there's, there's some pieces there in Cincinnati. It just, it feels like organizationally, they don't care about winning at all. And I mean, that goes back to uh, when the lockout was going on and what we heard about their ownership and what they were uh, willing to agree on uh, when it comes to, when it came to the collective bargaining agreement, this is not just a, from baseball operations down, this is from ownership down that really doesn't feel like Cincinnati cares about winning. I think Chicago cares about winning, but they also care about a bunch of other stuff and that kind of gets all muddled together and you end up in the situation that they're in. We know the pirates are just always rebuilding. They're an absolute disaster. But uh, let me, I know you're asking me questions, Greg, let me ask you, who who do you think is the third best team in the central? Do you think it's the Cubs or do you think it's the Reds? I lean towards the Reds just a little bit. And I can tell you right now, at the very least, they are not trotting out there. Jose Quintana as their starting <laughs> opening day pitcher, like the Pittsburgh Pirates are currently on path to. But I do take a look at the Cincinnati Reds, and I do think that it comes back to the starters. I think that you've got a little bit of stability there. Wade Miley is just someone that the Cubs picked up along Drew Smiley, and I don't know what you're going to be able to get there. Tyler Molly wound up showing some signs of brightness, and Vladimir Gutierrez actually wound up having a couple good starts. Yeah. You've actually got some young guys for the Reds who I think are going to continue to develop. Someone like a Lucas Sims out there in the bullpen is someone that's able to give you a couple innings. Jeff Hoffman was able to step up as well. Obviously, you wind up having a little bit of a sell-off, but Joey Votto wound up having one of the best second halves out there in baseball, so I would lean a little bit more to the Reds than the Cubs just because the Cubs, you take a look at their bullpen, and it might be the worst out there in baseball. It might. Um, yeah, I, there's just neither of those teams do a whole lot for me here at the moment. And um, we'll see if they're selling. We'll see if they're buying. Like, it's going to be very interesting to see. I, I think one of the most interesting narratives that goes along this season is 
all these teams are going to be in contention. So you would think there'd be more buyers and less sellers, but then are there going to be teams that don't really believe in themselves that say, are we really going to buy when all we're doing is trying to get into this first round of the playoffs and probably lose a series really early on. So maybe some of these teams that are actually in contention are actually going to look like they're selling off. I don't, in this, in this bold new world of expanded playoffs, I think the trade deadline, I, I don't think any of us really know what it's actually going to look like. It's going to be really interesting to take, take a look at that. And I know that Matt, you're going to be following it every step of the way over there at WTMJ and ESPN Milwaukee. Matt, great to have you aboard tonight. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for having me. It's going to be really interesting to see what we wind up getting out there in the National League Central. And Matt is one of the best in the business. So a big thanks to him for joining me on this segment of the Greg Peterson Experience. And coming up next, we're going to give you guys my preview of the national title game and take a look at odds to be the most outstanding player of the NCAA tournament. That's next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is the final segment of the Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. And had a great show. Matt Polly wound up joining me in the last segment. He does excellent pre and post game work for the official flagship station of the Milwaukee Brewers WTMJ. So a big thanks to him for joining me in the last segment. Now we've got to take a look at the big one that we've got set up on Monday as just, I would say about 90 or so minutes ago, we wound up seeing the exciting conclusion of that North Carolina versus Duke game. It is going to be UNC versus Kansas squaring off in the national title game. Your traditional one eight seed matchup. Typically you wind up seeing these in the round of 32. Instead, we're getting it in the national title game. And right now we're seeing North Carolina as a four point underdog with your total a lot of places right around a 153. We'll be diving into that in a minute. And to go along with it at DraftKings, we've now seen that the most outstanding player of the NCAA Tournament Award has been updated a little bit more. If you're taking a look at this, you've right now got a very clear short shot. That would be Oshay Obaji. He's finding himself at plus 120. From there, you got a pair of guys on North Carolina who find themselves at 5-1. to one. Caleb Love along with Armando Baycott. And then you've got Brady Manick at 10-1. to one. Remy Martin is finding himself at... Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And one as well for Kansas, David McCormick, who was at 100 to 1 at Bet MGM about a week or so ago. He now finds himself at 15 to 1. So we've seen a nice little dip there. Then you got a tree of guys at 25 to 1. RJ Davis, Christian Braun, along with Jalen Wilson. No love for Leaky Black. Leaky Black has 21 assists to five turnovers here in the NCAA tournament. Has not gotten into double figures in any of these games. Can't get a 100 to 1 price on him. So that makes you a little bit sad, but Hey, I do think that that is part of the handicap that you want to take a look at as well. North Carolina has done a good job of being able to take care of the ball, but the reason why I can't side with them there, I am willing to lay up to five year with Kansas is because when it comes to this Kansas Jayhawks team, they do a good job of being able to force a few turnovers and they're going up against a North Carolina team that they just don't do that with regards to your 358 D1 college basketball teams. North Carolina in a road and neutral court environment forces a turnover on 12 possess- 12% of possessions away from home. The only team that is worse than them out of the 358 with this regard, that would be the Citadel. So, I mean, that's pretty far down there. And it's not like this is a Kansas team that they're going out there and they're running like what we want to see out of Abilene Christian last year or anything like that. They generate a turnover on right around 18% of their possessions on defense, but they do a little bit more for you. And I do think that what is going to be so key for Kansas is the fact that for one, you're able to match up with Armando Baycott. And that's with the way that David McCormick was able to step up in the game that we wound up seeing on Saturday. He was absolutely able to take over that game with 25 points, did a very solid job down low. He and Jalen Wilson are able to combine for right around 14 rebounds per game. And with Wilson's versatility, he should be able to keep up with the Brady Manic, who we saw him in the game against Duke. He wound up having a nice second half, but you could tell that he could be slowed down in that first half. Paul Boncaro was able to match up relatively solidly against him, and then Manic was able to hit a couple of shots late. But when it comes to Kansas, what I think is going to be very big is having Wilson being able to do all that he does. He wound up having 12 rebounds in that contest and also five assists. So versatility certainly there with him. And then you take a look at the man that is the short shot to be able to win most outstanding player of this NCAA tournament. That'd be Oshay Agubaji. Winds going six of seven from three point range. He's probably going to wind up not being able to win the national player of the year awards that he's up for, but he was certainly a finalist and one of the legitimate best on ball defenders in all of college basketball. And it's a big reason why I do think that this total is set a little bit too high. We did wind up seeing a pair of overs in the final four, but the one thing with Kansas is that this team is playing some absolutely supreme defense right now. 65 points or fewer allowed in eight out of their last nine contests. This is a team that entering into the NCAA tournament with regards points a lot on a per possession basis. They were finding themselves more around the 75, 80-ish range. And now if you take a look at just sheer points allowed on a per possession basis, they're clocking in in the top 60. So they have really been able to do a good job of being able to lock down on that side of the ball. And the big reason why is because they've been able to cut off the three-pointer. Coming into what we wound up seeing on Saturday, opponents in their last 14 games, they were shooting 27.5% from three-point range. So Kansas has been able to do a good job with their guard rotations. Now, I don't think that they've seen anyone 
all NCAA tournament long. That is quite what Caleb Love is. Love has been able to come up with some very clutch shots among your March moments. I would argue that the threes that he wanted pitting against UCLA and the threes that he wanted pitting here tonight against Duke, those are the biggest ones that we have seen pretty much throughout the entirety of the tournament. He has been absolutely terrific with that regard. And for North Carolina, to say that the defense is not great would be putting it very politely. They entered into tonight 133rd in the country with regards to sheer points allowed on a per possession basis. And something that you always look for with a criteria of these teams that they do wind up winning the national title. Each of the last 10 with regards to adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Kempom, have been in the top 30 with that regard. Kansas has a shot with their title game to be able to do so. North Carolina certainly is not going to be finding themselves in that sector. But the one thing that North Carolina does a good job of on defense is if you wind up missing your first shot, you don't wind up getting a second one. Now, to the credit of Duke, they were able to do a little bit of a better job with this. But with regards to sheer defensive rebound rate in a road and neutral court environment entering into the final four, North Carolina was number two in all of college basketball. The only team that was better was, ironically, New Hampshire, which... That's a team that is very intriguing to say. Least are going up against a bunch of smaller teams out there in the America East. So among power conference teams, by far the best thing you're going to find out there. But when it comes to Kansas, what I think is going to be very key for them as well is to just keep North Carolina off guard. And they're going to be able to offer more looks than North Carolina is because you saw with North Carolina in that game against Duke, they just really couldn't rely upon their bench too much. Every single one of the starters they had to be looked to for at least 35 minutes. Nobody came off the bench to spell North Carolina for more than 10 minutes and wound up having two points off the bench. Those two free throws that Puff Johnson wound up hitting while Armando Baycott was dealing with his little bit of an injury that you were hoping wasn't a massive scare, but it was a little bit of one. He wound up being able to come back. That was the only points that North Carolina wound up getting off their bench. Meanwhile, Kansas... I'm not saying that they've got tremendous bench depth, but Remy Martin being able to come back and being able to give the team production, that does give them a little bit of different looks. He and Christian Brown have been able to do a very solid job here in the NCAA tournament. Remy Martin had a little bit more of a pedestrian game against Villanova. Came off the bench for 21 minutes, only wound up having three points, did contribute five rebounds, two assists, but certainly someone that is able to spell you for a little bit of time. Even Mitch Lightfoot is able to give you a few minutes as well, and Someone that's been a little bit unheralded has been able to actually have some big moments here for Kansas recently has been Dewan Harris. He wanted coming in. He wanted being able to bury a couple threes in this contest. And you take a look at him in the NCAA tournament. It's not a ton, but he's had five plus points in each out of the five games. So he's able to be a nice role player for the team, a guy that's able to give you a few assists. So just being able to have those guys that are able to come in, spell you for a couple minutes, just give the defense something different that they need to respect. I think that that's going to be very big and North Carolina just doesn't necessarily have that on their side. Now, what else North Carolina does have is RJ Davis. RJ Davis is a guy that's able to dole it out quite well. He and Caleb Love, a combined seven assists. They've been sort of a point guard by committee sort of role as you've also got Leaky Black, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, doing a good job of being able to dish out the ball and being able to dish it out, out the ball very efficiently. And with Kansas, they've been able to do a good job with regards to their turnovers as well. A team that they only turned the ball over seven times in that final four game against Villanova earlier today. So I think that that's going to be very prolific for them. I just think that the big question with North Carolina is what are you going to be able to get from this team with regards to anyone whatsoever being able to step off off the bench? And I think that it's just a relative nothing burger. Now, Armando Baycott has been tremendous for this North Carolina team. How about him being able to pull down 21 rebounds in this game on Saturday after he had 22 in that game against St. Peter's? He's had at least 15 rebounds in each out of his last four NCAA tournament games. I mean, that has to be the first time that that's been done 
in either a long time, if not ever. I mean, he has been just nothing short of magnificent with that regard, but you do also have your fears that maybe if there's a late game scenario, he winds up going to the free throw line and it's not necessarily going to be ideal. And you've got a Kansas team that they're relatively sure-handed with regards to being able to have their guards being able to go to the free throw line late in contests on North Carolina as a whole. They shoot very well from the free throw line. Really the only guy that is a liability is Baycott. So that is something that does work in their advantage a little bit more. But with Kansas, this is a team that does a very good job of being able to pile drive the ball down low. They do a solid job of being able to hit their twos as well. It's a team that overall... They shoot right around 36% from three-point range, which is relatively solid, but they're a team that they rank in the top 40 with regards to two-point shooting percentage as well, hitting about 53% of them in a road and neutral court environment. Meanwhile, you've got a North Carolina team that they've been doing a little bit of a better job of being able to guard from the three-point arc themselves. You take a look at North Carolina on the interior, and this is a team that, despite the fact that they've got Baycott, they rank right around 85th in the country with this regard, so that is a little bit of a concern that you wind up having. But with Kansas, I do think that the defense being able to step up is big, and though these teams are relatively up-tempo, it's not like they're playing at warp speed or anything like that. Entering into the night, North Carolina right around 65th in the country in terms of possessions per game. Kansas hovering more in that 100 range, so I take a look at this total in a lot of places at a 153. I lean under, especially with the moment just being so big, and I'm going to lay up to five with Kansas, so I'm looking at laying the points, and I'm looking at an under in this game, and we've got you covered all throughout Sunday and Monday with this on VSIN as well. And we're getting geared up for a lot of April sports as well. We've got a little bit of everything going on here at the Sports Betting Network because this has been the Greg Peterson experience and we've got you covered with a little bit of everything right here on, on VSIN. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.